Is Halibu about to make the same mistake on Valentine Lake as it did on the supplemental agreement? Is it creating legal jeopardy for itself by making deals with Marathon Gold Corporation without consulting its members? I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. Thank you for supporting Mi'kmaq Matters through Patreon or email funds transfer. Well, all you Last week, we told you about a memorandum of understanding that Halibu is right now negotiating with the Marathon Gold Corporation, whose massive open pit development will be built on caribou migratory routes and calving grounds. Halibu is working out the deal without any consultation or transparency with members. But is that legal? Probably not, says lawyer and Mi'kmaq legal scholar Jerry Wetzel. He's the author of Decolonizing Katumkuk Mi'kmaq History, which is the definitive analysis of Mi'kmaq history and rights on what is now known as the island of Newfoundland. He also was the first president of the Native Association of Newfoundland and Labrador, which became the Federation of Newfoundland Indians. From 1974 to 1990, he was government negotiator and land claims research director for what was then known as the Con River Band Council. I talked to Jerry Wetzel about the legal obligations of Indian Act bands to members as set out in the Clahous First Nation litigation in B.C., I also asked him for his assessment, as a former negotiator himself, of the wisdom of Halibu making a deal with Marathon before the results of the environmental assessment process are known. I reached Jerry Wetzel in Miobigeg. So Jerry, one would have thought that a project on the scale of the Valentine Lake gold mine would be be faced with more pushback from indigenous people if it were in elsewhere in the country. But uh, on this one, on on Valentine Lake, we hear not very much uh, reaction. Why do you think there is so little resistance in Newfoundland from indigenous people? And do you think it's because of the economic desperation and people just want the work? Well, you have to understand, too, uh, um, Glenn, is that most of the bands that go to court about something like this, or most of the bands that are negotiating something like this, are community-based bands. You know, Calgary is not a community-based band. All right? For instance, in the case we discussed, the Calouse case, it was a community, it was a reserve-based band. Um, they had a, they had worked out, a uh, previous band council had worked out an agreement uh, with a forestry um company to do um, uh, ecologically appropriate uh, forestry management in in the area that the band had a claim over. Um, the, um, so do you mean that there's less uh, there's less uh, less relationship with the land if it's not a community based band? It's more sort of out there and not really uh, as much part of their lives as it was in the Calouse case. Well, you know, ironically, you know, Halibut is called a landless band. 
it's landless. You know, the um, the various um, communities that make up the Halibut Band may have some of their members may have um, you know a a relationship interest in the, you know the Valentine Lake area. Um, I'm, I'm not sure where Valentine Lake is even, but um, uh, you know what what community would it be near? Well, it would be uh, in terms of present-day communities. It's closer to Millertown, which is a uh, which is a halibut community, one of the sixty-some halibut communities. But of course, uh, in in Millertown, it's uh, it's um you know it's a mining town. People who've worked at the Buckins mine, etc. So I think uh, there would be overwhelming support in Millertown um, rather than opposition to the mine. Um, yeah. Uh, it might be that in this, uh, in the case of the Valentine Lake gold mine, uh, if there is going to be um, opposition, it might come from outside the area, uh, from other people rather than people who uh, are counting on the work. Well, you know, even even in in most of the cases that go to court, uh, the, you know, the, the indigenous cases where you know, where one of the parties is trying to protect the land or their rights to it, okay. Uh, much like the pipeline debates, you know, where the uh, the, the one band in BC uh, blocked blocked the road and you know, all the confrontations that happened with the RCMP in there, and the traditional chief was basically um, in a dispute with the Indian Act chief, mm-hmm. and um, you know the um, but it was still you know either a community or communities based band. You know that shared uh, the interest in this area. So some people were trying to protect it. Some people wanted the jobs that the pipeline claims they're going to provide. Huh? Mm-hmm. Um, you know the I I guess the thing is is if if there are members of Halibut who still have a relationship with the land in that area. You know, and, and I don't mean, you know, visiting it uh, on a weekend just to go moose hunting. I mean living in it, harvesting it, you know, having having a a habitation in it somewhere mm-hmm. uh, and being able to ha- having sufficient knowledge of the area to be able to totally describe where the harvesting areas are in it. You know, like. Uh, you know, you 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 put some in your in your previous article. You put some context behind it when you talk to the wildlife biologist about you know the um, the calving grounds and the migration routes between the uh, winter and summer uh, food areas that the caribou use. The um, that is something that a halibut member should know if they're really if they really have a relationship with that area. They should know when, when and where the caribou migrate. They should know where, when and where the caribou drop their calves and how long it is before they, they can walk, uh, the calves can walk to be able to walk out of the area to go to the, the summer, um, um, the summer food grounds that they would be using them. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a similar, uh, uh, contest with the province over the upper salmon caribou herd. When they built the Upper Salmon Project in the 70s, they totally uh, didn't do any impact study on the impact that the project would have on the caribou herd, which was a, which is one of the largest caribou herds left on the island of Newfoundland. And uh, we forced them 
to do an impact study on the caribou herd, and we forced them to hire our band members, some of our band, elder band members who used the area to monitor what they were doing and to monitor when the projects were supposed to shut down. And we made them, we actually made, you know, they had, they built a road into the area that had, you know, that was elevated, you know, 15 or 20 feet above the ground. We made them build ramps so that the caribou could walk off the bogs, up the ramp, and down a ramp on the other side so they could migrate hmm. instead of being cut off by the road, hmm. which was like a wall. Yes, and that's that's being discussed uh, in uh, the context of Valentine. Like, how did that work uh, in uh, in that project? Uh, were the caribou able to um, to use those ramps? Was it successful that mitigation procedure? As far as we know, it is, but that's only from you know they they, they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't fund us to do a continuing study of the you know what are the mitigation efforts were used by the caribou and whether the mitigation efforts actually mitigated the impact on the caribou herd. But as far as I know, you know, the, the caribou are still migrating after they, they you know, their, 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 um, their birthing area were on the uh, hills just above the Upper Salmon Project. And uh, so they're still, they're still uh, dropping their calves there, their calving grounds, and they still you know, their calving grounds are closer to their winter foraging areas than it is to their summer foraging areas. And then they, when the, when the calves get strong enough, they leave that area and they move north uh, of the project area. Okay. Now let's, let's uh, speak about uh, Halibu's current uh, activities with Marathon. And we understand they're in the process of negotiating a memorandum of understanding with Marathon that uh, will deal in part with a commitment by Marathon to hire Alibu members. And my, um, my question to you is, what, what do you think of that uh, negotiating strategy to be uh, in talks with Marathon so early in the process before we have the environmental impact statement? Well, let me put it this to you this way. Had the province come to us and said, well, let's sign up on a, you know, let's sign a, a, some kind of a joint employment agreement for the band council. Um, and we did, if we did that, and then found out they didn't even do an impact study on the caribou herd, where would that leave us? That would leave us in a really poor position, especially if we compromised ourselves in the agreement by saying, you know, or agreeing to not um, not contesting anything that uh, the province was going to do or didn't do in regard to the environmental impact study. Because we didn't have the environmental impact study at the time. We didn't know. They left the you know, they 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 had deliberately left the caribou out of the environmental impact study. Right. So, you know, how do you know what kind of impact study has been done by Marathon if you haven't seen it? Yes, and won't see it until September, which is when about uh, we understand Halibut will be, uh, to sign this memorandum uh, of understanding. And I suppose the other thing about that MOU is it sort of um, it ramps up the expectations um, and the anticipation of the work uh, by uh, among people in that area. So it uh, it increases momentum, and once the momentum gets built up, it's hard to it's hard to stop it. Once the uh, you know once the vehicle is gaining speed, it's hard to slow it down. So uh, I suppose uh, it, that's usually uh, one of the objectives of of a, of a company like Marathon is to you know, 
they don't play their cards. They hold their cards to their chest until they have to reveal them. And if they can get you to to uh, agree to things that are going to compromise your your uh, your own interests, uh, then they'll do that because it's in their interest. Now, let's step back a little bit uh, and uh, ask a, a basic question, um, which is, uh, and I, we realize that the what the what Aboriginal or Indigenous rights apply to that territory is a bit unknown because uh, we haven't, uh, you know, we haven't had the challenges. Um, and uh, Halibut being a landless band also puts a, a bit of a wrench into the into the works. But generally speaking, who holds indigenous rights? Is it the Indian Act band, Halibut in this case, or is it the individual Mi'kmaq people who are the rights holders? Aboriginal rights are collective rights. You know, they're not they're not individual rights. Uh, you know, the the you know within within traditional Mi'kmaq land tenure customs. If you use an area for, I'm trying to remember now. I think it was for, for more than three three generations, uh, the area would be considered yours. But in in the Mi'kmaq language, when somebody when in in days gone by, if if a, an old Mi'kmaq asked you where do you belong, he wasn't asking you what community are you from. He was asking you what part of the land do you belong to Valentine Lake, Beta Spare, uh, you know, so you, when you use, when a family or an extended family use an area of land for numerous generations, uh, it became, it, you know, it belonged, the family, the people belong to the land, not the other way around. So then, um, uh, Halibu is um, in entering into these agreements uh, with uh, Marathon with uh, with uh, little or I think it's fair to say no consultation thus far with uh, individual Mi'kmaq people. They're they're risking they're risking um, uh, trampling on um, on Mi'kmaq rights and um, potentially being held to account. Well, yeah, I you know I I have no idea what it is. What kind of discussions they're having with Marathon? I have no idea. You know, if they're if they're trying to or insisting that they be part of, <clears throat> that they that they that they have some supervisory capacity of the, of the project in respect to um, the impact it it would have on on the caribou in this case, or fish, or or other wildlife in the area, or the, or the water quality in the area. Um, you know, I mean, it, again, it goes back to: Are there any Halibut members that really have an interest that belong to that area? You know, do, is there any traditional ties, in other words, between Halibut members and the Valentine Lake area? And what about uh, Marathon? They, uh, in their uh, social media communications, they're talking about uh, the consultation they're having with the uh, and the engagement with the two First Nations on the island of Newfoundland. Um, and uh, in the case of Halibu, uh, you would not know from these communications that they're talking to uh, 
to the uh, to chief and council and a few senior staff. So you know they're talking to 20 people. Um, does can Marathon rely on that as engagement and consultation, or uh, could uh, you know could someone look behind that uh, quote unquote engagement and consultation and challenge Marathon on the extent to which it's fulfilled its obligations? Well, the uh, the case I pointed out to you, the Calouse case, uh, basically the court said um, uh, to the band council, you can't change, you know, the, the uh, eco-forestry agreement unless you consult with your band members. Hmm. Um, and and I would think, you know, so basically it means that if band members object and go to court because the band council doesn't negotiate a suitable agreement that protects the environment around Valentine Lake and the, you know, and the, the ecological habitat and the, and the animals and plants and everything else that live there. Um, then, you know, if band members can, you know, band members can go to court and object mm-hmm. to any, any agreement that the band council signs that they find is offensive to their interests. Mm-hmm. We have shades of the supplemental agreement here, uh, 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 I fear, that, uh, you know, Halibu uh, is living through now the um, the fallout from uh, signing that agreement without consultation. And uh, this may be, uh, you know, on a, on a uh, somewhat different in terms of the issues, but uh, uh, I guess Halibu has some previous experience on the dangers of uh, proceeding without telling its members what it's up to. Well, if, if they've learned anything, they haven't shown that they have. That was Jerry Wetzel, lawyer, legal scholar, and a former negotiator. Megamon Matters is produced by Allison Baker. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest in Megamon news and views. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Nimoltus. Mm-hmm.